everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Babe. I'm your host, Lara, and with me today is a literary agent to the stars, <laughs> Connor Goldsmith. Hi, Lara. Thank you for having me. Hi. Thanks for being here. I'm really excited about this. I am, too. You're in L.A. I am. You're not based in L.A. No, I'm in New York City usually, but I'm out here now like little under half the year and i feel like every year it creeps up more so it's like an infection yeah you're being a bi-coastal butterfly yes i always i keep saying to people I'm like i'm bi-coastal but like from my airbnb so mm-hmm. it like, sounds much more glamorous <laughs> when i'm like mm, i'm a bi-coastal person but no i'm, I'm actually just staying in someone's like guest room but it's i fine. think yeah like most bi-coastal people probably start off with I like so. not I so glamorous i think it's like beginnings. a ground level yeah it's like mm, i got priced out of my apartment in bushwick so i'm staying with my parents and going to an Airbnb in LA and don't actually own any home. So well, it's more like, like I'm living out of a suitcase, but it sounds very glamorous when you say like, I'm a bi-coastal literary agent. Yeah. I was like a bi-coastal author for a while, yeah. which really just meant I would like crash on friends' houses. And then like, eventually we would get in a lot of fights. Cause I was like, right. Cause you're like, hi, I'm living on your couch. <laughs> yeah. I'm not paying you or paying you a little bit, but I'm still on your couch. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? A, it was a no pay. Couch yeah. No, room, I mean, that's now that I'm like, sort of ah, exacerbates like classic the, yeah. 20s behavior. I don't know. I had a couple of like couch pals that I did and I never minded, but that was because I, I, was often living alone and it was like suddenly nice to have company. Yeah. I don't mind a couch pal now because right. I feel like this couch is well, you have, very this is a really This is a very nice apartment. Thank so, you. Um, I'm always, the thing about LA that always shocks me is like that you have space. Like I walked into your apartment like, oh my God, a staircase. Yeah. <laughs> <I don't>, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's a real um, departure. It's a real game changer. I'm like, oh, like everybody has a kitchen. Like interesting. From in New York. Um, yeah. Because like Did really. you not have a kitchen? I don't um, In my... Last apartment, the one I got priced out of in Brooklyn, I did have a kitchen. But Love. before that, it was always like a kitchenette Oh, situation. like a hot plate yeah, situation. Like it was a real... Or like it was like the hallway to the bedroom has like an oven like stuffed in it. I don't know. Like it was not... <laughs> <laughs> one of my my I lived in Murray Hill, which I remember you and Carrie talked about uh, at one point. Oh yeah, as, like, we did a, a dark place of a nunca. dark place, uh, place where of bros nunca. Go yeah. to high five. Well, I would used to have to like shelter in place for SantaCon. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. when I li- but when I lived in Murray Hill, I lived in a basement that was like did not have a fire escape. Like it was fully illegal. Yeah, and I was just like, well. You lived in, like, um, Steve from Sex and the City's apartment. Literally, yes, I lived in that apartment. <laughs> when he first started dating Miranda. Uh-huh. I've never understood, like... I mean, I get, like, the draw of New York, mm-hmm. obviously. It's, like, a cool place. But then to just, like, suffer and live in, like, squalor, does it make it worth it? Yeah, I mean, I'm from there. Oh, so yeah. it's just so one it's of those things where it's, like this is the only you have this mentality like this is the only place that exists in the Mm -hmm. world um and i didn't travel much until i was an adult and then i was like oh other cities are you know also real um and i like you know i like it here i love london but london's so expensive and Mm -hmm. like also they've got their own stuff going on right now that's like let's not (laughs) did they officially brexit yeah on friday oh friday it's a good way to end the week for no i know i'm like all my friends over there i'm just like hey like how you doing like nothing actually happens for the rest of this year because they're in like a transition quote-unquote but for the rest of this entire year i think this year they're still like under eu whatever while they figure out what the hell they're gonna do because no one knows they're such drama queens about this whole thing well it's just the tories don't actually have a plan so it's just like this real i mean i'm really worried about northern ireland like that's a nightmare why what's happening there well because it's basically so um 
I'm Irish. Uh, if like the name Connor wasn't clear. Anyway, I just went there for the first time recently mm-hmm. um, in August, and I. But I have a friend who lives in Belfast, and I was talking to her, and like, I mean, the Good Friday Agreement that keeps the peace there, so that like we're not all like singing cranberry songs and like worried about being murdered, is very fragile. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ireland is staying in the EU. Okay, and Northern oh. Ireland is brexiting. So Northern Ireland, is it brexiting? has to because it's part of the United Kingdom. Like, that's the thing is it's the colonial government in Northern Ireland is part of the UK. I'm having a real babe moment right now because <laughs> I just realized I don't know what's in the UK and what's not in the, <laughs> the UK. The UK is, and I might get this wrong, but the UK, my understanding is it's uh, England, Wales, um, Scotland, and Northern Ireland. Okay. And then like, there are like various like holdings, like the Isle of Man and things like that. But like, I'm not an expert, but yeah. those are like the major ones, I think. And then Ireland, Ireland, Ireland is a is separate, just like there was, we had a rebellion. I okay. say we as though like I didn't come in the famine like 200 years ago, but you know what I mean? Like <laughs> there was a, there was a big like, cause they were colonized by the British for mm-hmm. hundreds of years. And the famine was like actually a low key genocide, which no one talks about, the but potato famine. Yeah. Cause there was other food, but like the rule was all other food had to be shipped to England. So they were only allowed to eat the potato crop. And then the potato crop got blighted and the British were like, no, you still can't have the other food. So everybody started dying. So they all just killed each other for food no they just starved to death i mean like oh. and like like i think like a third of the country left and like went to america so it was like the population dropped enormously and that's why we have a lot of irish people exactly on the east coast especially on the east yeah. coast okay like I love boston it. new york history yeah. yeah yeah so now we're worried that northern ireland we're worried that the peace but be- like that was negotiated in the 90s like it's very recent between okay. ireland and northern ireland like bill clinton and that government did that yeah and, and that's what u2 is all about yeah and um and like again the cranberries and like sort of that whole era yeah. of of like you know pop culture over there um and uh basically just if, trying to get them to like get along get over their well, potato journey well no it's it's a catholic and protestant oh, thing. Okay, but it's also course. like again it's that like the north is part of the uk and like if you're an irish nationalist or republican which those are like good you terms deny in the... they don't mean bad things that they mean here if you believe that ireland should be like free yeah then you have a problem with the, the occupation north. of the six counties in the north. So oh, okay. it's like, but then there are people in Northern Ireland who are like, no, I like being part of the, so it's, it's a, it's a long, wow, complicated thing. And I'm so not an expert. So any like Irish readers, please, or babes, feel yeah, free to if you um, have more correct intel. me because I am, I'm very removed from the motherland at this point. Um, like, clearly I don't know. No, all, no, it's so. fine. I mean, you're not, you, you have no reason to, but, uh, but yeah, so the, the, the concern is just that like the Brexit might fuck that all up. So wow. hopefully it doesn't. The wildest thing would be if, like, Brexit ultimately leads to, like, the unification of Ireland just because the Northern Irish get so annoyed. Because Northern Ireland voted to stay. Oh. But they're they're stuck in the... Right. because But it's so loaded with all these decades of war. doesn't want to be like... Right. Give up land. Exactly. So it's it's just a huge, giant mess. Wow, guys. So anyway, nice banter to get into (laughs) this fun chat podcast. Um... Yeah, the most about Brexit that I really do know is like from Joe Gunn's memes mm-hmm. on Instagram. I just have this friend who's Polish and like a doctor with the NHS. Mm-hmm. And like, so I just, she's always just like, what the fuck am I? What's going on with me? And I never know what's going on with her. So I try to keep up with it just because I want her to be able to like vent to me. Yeah. Stuff. Man. Well, 
pray for London. Yeah, pray for, pray the for UK. everybody over there. It's not a great. I mean, we were so focused on our own like ongoing national nightmare that I think it's hard for us to also make space for theirs. But well, also it's just bad. been going on for forever. So I'm like, and it's not, yeah. Guys. Like I was like, is it actually real this time? Like I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Unclear. Very unclear. Any Londoners or UKers writing or Irish people or Irish Feel people. Free. I need to. I love a. I love a. I love an Irish um, like nationalist republican moment which again like as my friend irish friend clarified like those are not like those don't mean racist in ireland we promise <laughs> big podcast at gmail.com yeah. with any and all brexit intel yeah, yeah hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So now you're living between New York and Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. You've gone through like a transformation yeah. in the past few years. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, two years ago, I had um, bariatric surgery, which was really like a wild moment. I was turning 30 mm-hmm. and, um, you know, it was really kind of fraught for me because I'm very much like... Um, into body positivity and into like everybody, you know, and, and ending stigma against fat people and all of that stuff. So I didn't want to be, there was sort of like a feeling like I was betraying that principle or something, but I was starting to have like, you know, there are lots of fat people who are perfectly healthy, but Mm -hmm. I just like was not like my knees were giving out and I was like 29. I was like, I can't have this. There's diabetes in my family. I was just like, doctors were like, listen, we're not thrilled about like, the percentage chances here. Um, and, uh, I also just like, wasn't happy. I, I, um, uh, cause I have an eating disorder. I have binge eating disorder, which is like okay. not really talked about much. Cause it's not, I don't know. Like there's, it's not as, um, interesting really, I guess like you as don't see it in movies or things. Cause yeah. right. It's just the binge and yeah. then you like feel sick and you lie down for a while. Like it's not, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, so I was just like a yo-yo dieter my whole life and I would lose 40 pounds and then like gain 70 back. And that's really, really unhealthy. Like as opposed to just being a fat person, like if you are, if your weight's fluctuating that dramatically all the time, you start to have like, your heart starts to. It's a lot of stress. Yeah. And I, and like my heart uh, is fine, but I have Wolf Parkinson white, which is just like this. It's like, I have an extra electrical thing or something. It's like not a big deal, but it makes your risk for heart attack go up. Mm. So again, it was just like all these sort of things where they were just like, we really would, if, if nothing else is, if you want to lose weight and nothing else is helping you lose weight, like maybe you should do this. And I, I felt very conflicted about it. And I, I, um, I asked a friend of mine who's also my client, Fancy Feast, um, who's like a fat burlesque performer. She's amazing. <laughs> look her up. That's any, a great name. Any fat positivity babes um, should certainly look her up because she's amazing. Yeah, she she was like, I wanted something that was glamorous, but also a cat food. Um, and, <laughs> I love Fancy Feast. Yeah. Um, and I said to her, I was like, am I like betraying the cause? And she was like, listen, if my goal is for everyone to feel like comfortable in their body, then I can't really tell you what to do with your body. Like that's sort of part of the ethos. But I have had people, there were some people who were like kind of mean about it. And then of course, people who are naturally thin or who haven't ever 
struggled with that kind of thing, you know, there's this idea that it's lazy or that it's like, which please, I welcome them to have eighty percent of their stomach cut out and like you know go through recovery. And I mean, they would probably love that. I mean, they probably would. Yeah, no. I mean, Nicole Richie's ears like right. Up. Like I can do that. Possible. <laughs> um, but no, the real game changer about the gastric sleeve, which is what I had, is like when you are um, very heavy, your gut starts to overproduce um, ghrelin, which is this hormone that makes you hungry. Mm-hmm. So that's part of why, like uh, in addition to your metabolism being all fatuts, like it's hard to um, not, you're just never full. Yeah. So, and that contributed to the binge eating disorder. And like, also the fact that I don't have space in my stomach is like, um, I, I like the, it's a physical restriction on the disorder. So like psychologically, mm-hmm. I still have to like go to therapy and like do shit but. and like figure out what is like triggering. You. Yeah. Cause it's, it's all like, that's all mental stuff. Mm-hmm. But like the fact that I physically can't eat an entire pizza is like really, that's was so liberating and that I don't want to because yeah. the part of your stomach that produces that, that overproduces the hormone is like the part that they take out. Okay. So it's sort of like it resets sort of your metabolism and also just like the signals your brain is getting that are like, I need food all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't recommend it for everybody. Like I, I, I am like a strong advocate of like, if you're comfortable at whatever size, that is fantastic. Um, I just was not comfortable and it's been, it's been, uh, it's been a journey, but I'm, I'm a lot happier. Yeah. And, um, I try to be transparent about it because I think a lot of, especially like famous people who have mm-hmm. lost a lot of weight, um, lie about it. <laughs> and I think that that, hurts fat people because I think that it contributes to this idea that like for 80% of fat people, like um, diet and exercise are not going to, you you just can't keep it off Mm because your body doesn't, your body wants to get the weight back. Yeah. Um, And there've been, at what point does your body make that? I don't, I think it very, I mean, I think everybody's just Just over the course of life. It's just like you reach, um, you just, your body reaches a point where it goes like, Oh, this is our homeostasis and we would like to be here. Yeah. Um, and if you're like, no, I'd like to be, you know, I'd like to weigh less than this. Your body's like, uh, I don't agree. And you don't get to choose. So (laughs) I disagree. I disagree with that. Um, (laughs) so, you know, it's, and I, it's a little disingenuous for me to be like, oh, it was only health stuff. Like, I wasn't happy. And yeah. I think that, like, one thing that I've talked about with Fancy and with other friends of mine, women in the sort of body positive movement and stuff like that, is there is no, like, m- gay men don't have that. We really don't. Yeah. Like, there's, there's like, the bear community, but that's, like, such a specific subcultural thing. And you mm-hmm. have to kind of, like, be into... All the trappings that come with it. All the trappings that come with it. And like you kind of have to want to date your twin, kind of. Like it's a very specific sort of subculture and it's like not what appeals to me. So while I'm happy to go to like a party and I have lots of friends who are into that stuff, it's like not really my my thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's no like real people. I mean, there are people trying, but there's no like cultural movement in the gay community that's like, it's okay to be fat. Like that's just not, I don't know. That is very true, actually. Like I think that, Obviously, like in general, in the in, in, over the course of the like the entire world and world history, like women have it the worst in terms of like the gays and all of that. But I do think that in some ways, like gay men, because the male gaze is sort of refracted back on yourself, mm-hmm. it's like almost more vicious because it's sort of this inward facing. Because it's like it's like self hatred at the same time that it is like objectification. It's like this very weird. Um, 
thing. Yeah. And I, I, I always hate to be like, you don't understand how bad game because like, you know, obviously any woman is facing enormous societal pressure to look. Yeah, a but there's way. a lot of like pressure in the gay community that's very like parallel, I think, to the pressure that women feel on their bodies to be like, thin and hot there's almost like a shelf life yeah i mean in the gay community as well yeah and i've i've lost 120 pounds mm-hmm. after that surgery. it was two years ago and it's been like a long pro- steady process yeah and, you know i'm exercising i'm doing everything i need to but like i don't have six-pack abs that's yeah. not like a thing and just physically my skeleton is like not i can i will never be like a twink i mean i'm too yeah. old now anyway but mm-hmm. i would you know like i would never uh, <laughs> those years are beyond me it now. would be shocking for you to go transform into a i twink. know i was like let me like just get a crop top and you know go blonde for a minute it'd be very <laughs> chic um no but you know i i'm conscious of the fact that that can never be me so yeah. the question is just like especially when i'm out here in west hollywood I get very like I love it here, but I also am more conscious of my body here than I like ever am anywhere else. Well, it's very rare, I think, to see fat people in LA. Yeah, where in other cities, it's just more common. Yeah, and I mean, at my heaviest, like it's not like people were nice to me in New York. Like a yeah. woman, I was walking to the gym once, and a woman looked at me and went, "Disgusting." <laughs> And I was like, God, you know, I'm like, I'm, on, I'm like in gym clothes. Clearly, I'm doing something about I'm this, you human, fucking bitch. Also, I'm, right? a human also being. I'm a human being deserving of dignity. But like, oh if you God. really hate fat people that much, like you should at least probably like be glad I'm going to the elliptical. Like, what yeah, a fucking bitch. Or I mean, that's stay just, home. I'm just like, well, something's wrong with that person. Like, that's not yeah, a normal behavior. About her. But she was like in a suit and you're in the financial district. So I'm like, it's not like this was some random, like, <laughs> you sorry. know, that's truly like... <laughs> Oh my god! I know. I'm like walking like across Bowling Green to go to my gym, and she looks disgusting. And I'm just like, wow! I'm just like in a t-shirt and shorts, and I'm 350 pounds and five eight. Lady, Jesus! Truly, I'm like, wow! I was. I mean, if I had had the, I was so shocked that I didn't say anything, but I would have been like, you don't look great either. Like, you know, yeah, that hair color is not working for you, Mm ma'am. But like, I don't know. But you would never think that, like. You would have to come up with some. Sort no, of I don't have like an off the cuff ready wow, to you go. Just called me fat. Where you just disgusting. look at someone up and down. Did you grow up with a lot of bullying around your weight? No, I was just a faggot. So that was really like. The- <laughs> <laughs> so everyone was just like, oh, faggot. Yeah, no, um, no, I was the only gay kid in my school. So that was really like the. F- I mean, I wasn't, but I was the only like openly. But you were openly gay. I, well, I got outed from and, a young age. Yeah, at, like 16. So oh, love. Well, it was it was just like it was a bad it's I can laugh about it now, but it was mm-hmm. a thing where like we were on a choir trip and there was this guy who I was friends with and I thought he was flirting with me, but he wasn't. Okay. And so I kind of like made a pass like, Hey, are you interested? And he was not interested and he was a little freaked out, which is understandable. And he told this girl who he was friends with and she told the entire school. Oh, wow. so it was just one of those things where it was like, it was like a very, you were like outed. Very, kind yeah. Of. It's like a very 2004 moment. I mean, it wasn't like shocking. I don't think to most people, I was like mm-hmm. the theater person but i don't yeah. know it wasn't great and i was the only one so it was well, like, also when you idea. don't have control over right over the narrative well i mean that's what i basically i was like well i either can lie about this and then come like feel like an asshole when like i go to college and like oh yeah everyone i was gay in fact like yeah. or i can just like i guess go for it but it was it was not easy i would say like my um so my, did that become a ha- like a more of a focus did you get yeah, bullied for that i would say like that's really what um, and luckily, like the principal was gay, so there mm-hmm. were not the principal, the the superintendent. So there an were, ally, yeah. And there were like several gay teachers. Like the band director was this amazing like lesbian named Marna. 
<laughs> like truly god bless marna um love marna but marna weiss um if you're out there marna i uh i miss you um but uh you know it was that was sort of more the thing also my weight fluctuated so frequently that i wasn't really like fat i mean i thought i was fat but yeah. i wasn't like that's sort of part of what psychs you out is mm-hmm. never i don't know is body dysmorphia yeah and i i've always had a dysmorphic thing i'm in my airbnb right now there is like a full wall, mirrored wall mm-hmm. um which i love because i'm like oh i love when there's a mirrored wall in my airbnb in los angeles because when i'm here i'm certainly not like thinking about my body constantly yeah so love to <laughs> love to stare at myself i think like a reminder love to like a catch a weird glimpse unexpectedly of my bare ass at like a strange angle mm-hmm. um but uh no i mean i'm i'm finally feeling like me like i'm i'm still you know, by uh, by some people's standards, certainly by LA standards, I think I'm still fat, but mm-hmm. I am, uh, I just feel I'm physically com- more comfortable. My, all of my health problems went away. Um, and so for me, it was like absolutely the right journey. If nothing else, then like as treatment for my eating disorder, it was so liberating. But, uh, you know, I would never, I don't push it on people because mm-hmm. it is a significant life change. Like you have to change how you eat for the rest of your life. Um any major surgery has risks. And if it's just for like an aesthetic purpose, I think that that's not necessarily a good plan. Like I think you should have other reasons why you want to do it because if it's just, because the other thing is like, you're never going to, well, if you're healthy and you're getting elective surgery, then you're just taking a big risk. Exactly. And like also the fantasy that you have of like, here's what I would look like if I lost all this weight. It's like not actually true. So like if you, if it's about having this physical ideal of yourself, like you need to not like that's, you're never going to be satisfied because you're never going to look like the person who you see on television who you're like, that's the body I want. You're going to have yeah. your body, but yeah. like at a smaller weight, which is just, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's an expectation that I think is hard for people. And so if it's, if it's just sort of an aesthetic concern, I, I advise against that. Cause I think that's a way into like, a real depression when you don't get the result that you want. Definitely. Um, what were your parents like growing up, like around weight stuff? Did, is that a conversation that you would have a lot my, with them? My dad was worried about me, um, but he's like a pretty um, hands off kind of guy with that sort of stuff. Like he, he wouldn't, you know, he would just tell me occasionally, he was like, you know, I'm a little concerned. If when I, when I was at my heaviest, he'd be like, I'm a little concerned, you know, just about your health or whatever. Um, my mom and I fought about it a lot. Really? Um, yeah, but she's, my mom's incredible. It's just like she was, she was worried, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, and actually, what really. A Jewish mother, really. My mom's not Jewish, actually. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, no, okay. my mom is Irish. That's the, that's, that's the, the yeah. Irish. Okay. Um, no, and I'm having like a Judaism journey now as an adult, which is really. Okay, fun. my bad. I'm sorry. No, we can get, we can parents. get into that in a bit if you want. Um, um but no, she. Uh, are your parents heavier or no? No, I'm the only person in my family who has ever had any problem with weight which is really it's just i mean i also was like born with an extra thumb that was a mutation so like maybe i'm just weird i don't know they cut it off (laughs) like i i have this i have this birthmark on my hand yeah and um and i thought it was just like a birthmark my mom was always like we could take that off if you want i'm like no it's fine you know and then um when i was like 17 she was like so let me level with you that is like the like (laughs) That is that was where a thumb was when you were born. That was an extra finger. I was like, excuse me. I was like, I was an X man. Did you like take away my? She's like, it had no bones. I was like, oh well, then please like by no all means, no bones. No, but it had a thumbnail. Fucked up. Wow. Yeah. Oh my god. It, it, science is weird. Should have saved it. I. My, everybody's like, did they save it? I'm like, no. They're not gonna save a severed <laughs> know, baby like, thumb like, that has no bones. That's like not save? a thing, right? But yeah. 
Um, so for all I know, like I'm just genetically like a mutant of some kind. I have no idea. Or maybe but you're like an alien. Who knows? Yeah. I have all of the signs in like the medieval times of witchcraft. Like I'm left-handed. I have a mole on my face. I had the extra finger. Amazing. I, I actually, I have, I've, I did exercises my whole childhood. So like you can't tell unless I'm like drunk or tired, but I do have a lazy eye, which is like the evil eye. Mm-hmm. So, so um, you are, I am like, you're a, a sorceress. Yeah. Wow. So have you ever gotten like past life work done with like a psychic or no. an intuitive? Um, um, I'm like not, I'm, I'm a little bit of a, it's funny in my family. I'm like the most, um, mystical. Yes. One. Oh, I'm, I'm the only, I'm the Pisces. Mm-hmm. Like my, my mom and my brother are cancers and my dad and my sister are Gemini's. Okay. I, I'm just like a gay fish, like flopping in the middle. Yeah. Um, you know, worried about my horoscope. And mm-hmm. I'm always like, I don't actually believe in this, but they're like, yes, you do. And I'm like, I mean, okay. Yes. I mean, like, I don't believe <laughs> like it's actually because of the stars, but mm-hmm. you know, um, so I'm like very skeptical about sort of new agey stuff, but I'm always like open to the fu- like I love a tarot card moment, like yeah. I guess, you know. But I I see it more as I like it. I mean, I did some um, the, weirdly like I had um, so I had another surgery recently because uh, when you lose 120 pounds, um, your skin is kind of messed up after sometimes so mm-hmm. i had to have like a, a little bit of a lift to certain parts of my body which was its own process like again this is like a very it's a it's a fraught process that goes on for a long time but how long typically is the process of like going from having bariatric surgery to then being done with surgery you, wait, you have to wait two years oh okay. well you have to wait two years to do to do another surgery stuff yeah after, like because you they and then you see kind you. of slowly... basically after about two years you're at the weight that your body wants to be now mm-hmm. and um that's because you don't want to do anything cosmetic before you're done yeah and so once my weight was sort of stabilized for like eight months they were like okay like you're not really gonna lose any more weight and i was mm-hmm. like that's fine like in if i were to go be an actor would i need to lose like 50 more pounds probably but like i'm comfortable with this weight my body feels good at this weight so yeah i'm not um fussed about it but no but i was saying weirdly the nurse i had in recovery after the lift was like also a reiki healer mm-hmm. so i had like Love. a reiki moment which i'd never had she was like she was like i know a lot of people don't i was like go for it Why it's not? kind because of the best if i love a new age thing if it's just like a therapeutic moment yeah. i just have trouble believing that any of it is like real so i've never done a past life yeah regression or anything like that buying like into it is definitely over half the battle mm-hmm. but I also think that if you're just open-minded enough to be like, maybe I don't believe everything this person is saying to me. And I, I do, I am like, I'd say 25% like skeptical because I'm like, if you know my email address or my name and we're just like Skyping, you can do a lot of Googling and like figure out who I am. The only one I have a problem with, I'm sorry, I'm talking over you. No, no, I feel like I'm talking so much. So listeners, if you find me annoying. That's like the point of the podcast. No, I know, but it's like, it's supposed to be a convo and I don't want to talk over you. No, don't worry about it. I'm to be here at last. Um, What I was saying was, I, in terms of, the the googling and all of that Mm -hmm. like the only new age stuff i have like a problem with morally is like the spirit medium Mm -hmm. stuff because i think that's like i think they're vultures like that's not i think some of them are i think they're if it's someone who is not like 
grifting and really believes that they're doing this and really believes that they're helping people like god bless but i feel like i would urge you to watch the goop lab episode with a medium because i've have been like like the hollywood medium or whatever like, like that's Tyler Henry. i'm I like think. you are yeah a psycho like you deserve to be locked up i mean i like again i you know i know i'm 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 sure I'll have clients on his show at some point. So Tyler Henry, I'm not actually saying you should go to prison, but I also, um, I, <laughs> but also like I just don't, him. I don't like that. I think it's predatory. And I think, no, I think, it, I think like it's a grief lab, vampire thing that I don't. The goop appreciate. lab episode. Truly. I was just like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I'm not, I am open to I the think idea. Some people really have intuitive, like psychic stuff. I'm open to the, I'm very open to the possibility. I'm like a, I'm a, a scully type. I'm like, if you can explain it to me scientifically, at some point in the future, then mm-hmm. I can buy it. But like Scully, so like Scully on the X-Files would always be like, okay, I can buy a psychic if you can like justify this to me in a way that makes sense to me as a doctor. Yeah. But like werewolves, no. And I'm like, I get that. Like that's sort of where I'm at, I mm-hmm. think. Um, and there's so much we don't know about the human brain that yeah. it's entirely feasible to me that there are people who are attuned to, like people ask if I believe in ghosts. And I know enough people who've had like weird experiences that i'm like maybe when someone dies in your house like there's electrical impulses released or something that you can pick like who knows yeah. that we just don't know about yet but in general i would say i'm pretty skeptical and i think at this point like with the internet and everyone having phones and everything it should be easier to prove mm-hmm. something and no one has yet so i'm just sort of but the reiki moment i had was it was like very meditative so yeah. i enjoyed that and um I think that anything, I mean, I was telling you before we started recording, like, um, and I think I mentioned it during the, uh, during the chat at some point, but I'm, um, I'm like doing a whole, like, let's get bar mitzvah as an adult thing. Oh, okay. um, because so like my father is half Jewish. Okay. Um, so I, and my mother is a little bit Jewish, like ethnic like in, in like ancestrally, but okay. does not think of herself as Jewish. So in the, so you didn't really grow up like not. I grew up, yeah, no, not hardcore in religion. religious no. Jewish. At we all. were like nominally congregationalist Protestant. Okay. Like my mother, because my mother likes like hymns and going to church on Christmas. But mm-hmm. like, we, my parents are both not religious, and it was, and my grandfather, who was the Jewish, um, you know, grandparent, he was an atheist. So mm-hmm. like, it was just not passed down. Like he, my aunt, his his daughter, just found relatives of ours in israel that we didn't know existed because he they had like survived the holocaust and he was because he they were like his second cousins and she would always be like dad like do you still have like because his parents had come from hungary i think and she was like do you still have he's like they're probably all dead and i don't want to know so i'm not looking it up Mm -hmm. he's like they're not people i know and i'm not interested in finding out what horrible things happened to like my cousins i never met so i'm like fair Mm -hmm. but um but also like I'm fascinated by yeah. knowing. I want to know like every story ever that exactly. happened with families. Like, so and sh- I got really into ancestry.com. That's where my aunt found these people. Yeah. And it's actually like a very cool service once you've signed up. I mean, it costs an arm and a fucking yeah. leg, but like once you're going back, I it was a great distraction from getting any writing done when Absolutely. I decided to map out like my entire family tree. And then I went all the way back to where in order to like go further, I would have to like pay an additional for like the world because I had already maxed out all my relatives in the United States and like ancestors in like the US. So I was like, fuck, do I like take the plunge? And I haven't yet, but like I'm dying to know, like I want to know all the stories and all the history because I think that that really does inform 
a lot of your life now. I think it's way more connected to you than you would even imagine. Yeah. And like for me, it was sort of like, so I grew up in, I was born in Manhattan and then I grew up in Westchester, which is mm-hmm. like the suburbs right outside. And um, the town I grew up in was like all Catholic and Jewish. Yeah. So it was like Irish, Italian, Jewish. And then like, because s- of the Kosovo stuff, like we had actually a pretty sizable Albanian population, which was mm-hmm. like random. But so it was all like sort of, white people but who are like not quite white enough for like the fanciest country club like yeah. sort of like eggshell people um <laughs> and uh beige yeah exactly like the off-white uh town but it was but so for me it was just sort of like 55 percent of my graduating class was jewish so mm-hmm. my mom and my mother was like quite reasonably because it's matrilineal in the halacha was like well i'm not jewish so you're not so i was like oh okay but then as i got older i was very i was always felt very drawn to it um I, but i don't really believe in god so mm-hmm. that's like been my sort of stumbling block um but tiffany haddish actually really um because I don't know if you saw Tiffany Haddish uh, found out like very late in life, like I mean, not very late in life because she's like 40 or whatever. Yeah. But that her father was an Eritrean Jew. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she just like went like did a full conversion and had a bat mitzvah last oh, year. Oh, cool. And, like, I didn't realize that. Barbara Streisand and Billy Crystal and all these other like Jewish Hollywood legends went to like celebrate her bat mitzvah. And it was like very cute. Um, and uh, she did a Netflix special called um, Black Mitzvah about it, which is okay. funny. And, East African Jews are one of the oldest Jewish communities in the world. So mm-hmm. it's also very cool to like get that visibility for Ethiopian and Eritrean Jews. Yeah. Um, but uh, I actually tweeted like, I think I'm finally going to do this because like of Tiffany Haddish. She liked the tweet. And I was like, oh my God. Because <laughs> you're I like, now I have to. Now I have to. Well, I was like, well, that's, uh, that's like a sign from Hashem, right? So mm-hmm. like, um, but, you know, that's sort of been a similar thing to sort of my approach, I guess, to the new age stuff because like that we were talking about, because I, I don't know that I believe in God, but I believe in Jewish philosophy and I believe in like Tikkun Olam, which is like world repair, which Mm -hmm. is sort of this idea that, you know, it's about service and about like building up the community around you. Um, And I studied the ancient world in college. So I was like, I've read the Torah. It's not like I'm not like, you know, up on my shit, but I when I went to the rabbi, I was like, I'm interested in this. I was like, but I'm not sure I believe in God. And he was like, lots of people don't believe in God. Um, he was like, why do you want this? And, you know, it was it was like a, a philosophical thing for me. But it's also just I mean, I look like coloring wise, I look like my grandfather's part of the family. Like mm-hmm. I present visually as like, quote unquote, looking Jewish to a lot of people Um you know, I have the name Goldsmith, which is like, you know, on Twitter enough for like mm-hmm. crazy neo-Nazis to yell at me. <laughs> um, and as honestly, like racism and anti-Semitism in this country and in the world have gotten worse as like, you know, the right wing movements all over have been coming up. I mean, like Poland made it illegal to uh, say that Poland had any complicity in the Holocaust. And it's like Auschwitz is in Poland. So yeah. like, you were pretty complicit. My <laughs> Love that for them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they have this very scary far right government now. And there was like a neo-Nazi parade and like all this shit. And it's just like, so now I'm at a place where I'm kind of like, yeah, I am a Jew. Do you have a problem with that? Yeah. Like it, I feel that I feel compelled to stand and be counted, but it's complicated within the community because like, again, I'm not just patrilineal, I'm double patrilineal. Like, mm-hmm. Cause my, my father's mother was also Irish. So to the, like there are a lot of Orthodox Jews who, are not gonna they would say no to right you. and that's fine like it's not it's you know whatever they feel is valid because it's like their practice i just um for me it's about being part of a community that i feel connected to and that i want to uh be counted with i yeah. guess and especially like when 
people hate us. <laughs> like, I just, you know, and my mother's like, why, you know, why put yourself right? In that I kind mean, of like, situation? not, you know, she's just like, why are you so, because she's just like, you don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's not that she's like opposed to it. She's just sort of curious. She's like, why, you know, and I'm just like, I don't know. I just feel like, like, I, I am 30% Jewish if you were to go to, like, you know, the ancestry or whatever. Yeah. And, like, 25 was, like, Hitler's cutoff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's, like, that's, you know, insofar as, like, unfortunately, race science has, like, colored history, I am Jewish in that sense. And mm-hmm. I so I want the cultural aspect as well. So that's been exciting for me. But it is difficult because while it's therapeutic to learn and to think about the world in a more expansive way. Like I do have trouble with like God. So Mm -hmm. that's just a, and and with the supernatural. So that's just like a hard thing for me to wrap my brain around, but it's a journey. Yeah. And faith. What is your relationship with faith? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like I tried believing in Jesus for like a minute when I was like 13, Mm because I really was scared about like suddenly understanding my own mortality. Yeah. Um, And I have obsessive compulsive disorder. So like once you start thinking about death, you just just don't stop for like 10 years. Yeah. yeah. Um, So, I mean, it's great. Christianity is like a good problem solver. If you really, if you you really really have are fine with having no other curiosities behind, like after a certain point and just being like, Okay, woo, it's done. Yeah. I'm good. And the forgiveness of it all is also really great. Yeah. Like the idea that like Jesus loves you no matter what. Mm-hmm. And if you just like apologize, you'll be okay. Yeah. Um, is very satisfying. But I just had so much trouble with the faith aspect. And I think Jesus was particularly difficult for me because again, I um I was a classics major and like even as a kid, I was really into like Greek mythology and, and the ancient world and all mm-hmm. of that stuff. And so, like, for, like, a 12 or 13-year-old, I was, like, really overeducated on, like, the historicity of Jesus. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I had read too many things. And so, like, he was a real guy, but they were like, but this didn't happen, and this didn't happen, and this is dubious, and we don't know where this happened. Like, this, there was someone crucified by this name, yada, 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 yada. You know, and I just, like, I can't, I wish I had the ability to, like, let the logic brain go a little bit and just, like vibe and it's not like i feel differently about judaism like there's no evidence to suggest that jews were slaves in egypt mm-hmm. None. to the contrary in fact there's evidence to suggest that we weren't so <laughs> you know stories mutate over i mean the iliad um the, the trojan war story of the greeks is heavily based on a hittite story that already existed and yeah. so even though there was a war with troy like their version of it that they tell all the time is influenced by this completely different thing that happened to a different country yeah and, that just and i think you can never know and i think a lot right. of religions like faith is not caring about not knowing i guess yeah or just believing that like i don't know just having faith in general and your beliefs and your belief system but i think if you look very closely into all religions they share almost the same exact story for whoever their quote-unquote leader is like if it's like buddha or allah or certainly all the abrahamic religions and then buddhism has parallels and and it's all i really believe like a you end up at the exact same place when you really break it down to like brass tacks with every religion is like you're in the same place no yeah. matter what you believe in or anything. Yeah. I mean, it's to- really just like, how are you going to be of service and like help people? Right. And exactly. And that's the thing. It's like an, it's also an, to me, there's like an access, it, it's an access point mm-hmm. to 
an experience with the divine. And like, I, so when I said like, I'm the most mystical of my family or whatever, like they always make fun of me. Like my brother is a philosopher, was a philosophy major Mm -hmm. and is like very like, I'm sure he's fun to talk to. He is actually, he's a really great guy, but he is very, he's like very much just like an atheist who's like, "Mm, no. Mm -hmm. And, um, I like that though. I would want people, I it's nice to yearn for people to like point out, right. Whatever, like I'm overlooking. Exactly. And, um, I, uh, and so he's always like sort of made fun of me about like loving astrology or like whatever other nonsense. Cause I do love astrology. It's fun. It's like a secret language that only women and gay men speak. And mm-hmm. I really enjoy that. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that I've always had like the most religious experience I've ever had is like reading song of Solomon by Toni Morrison when I was like 14 and just mm-hmm. like, this is art. Like this makes me. Like this, may, this is so this like excited my mind. Yeah, you know what I mean, and I think that the human capacity for art and the human drive to create and all like there is something divine in that. Mm-hmm. And like whether or not it's like I don't think I don't believe in a higher power necessarily, but I do sort of believe in like some kind of order to the universe and like some kind of meaning. I'm not someone like I can't. I, I guess I can't accept the idea that none of this means anything oh i I, know i absolutely refute that idea yeah i i just i have and that's what my brother and i argue about because he's a very practical like the universe begets entropy and that kind of thing like kind of person and i'm just like i that may be more logical but i can't i simply can't accept that even if it doesn't mean anything isn't that a sort of divine chaos yeah i mean there's a there's a great line from angel which was my favorite show when i was in high school which is like (laughs) i I know the buffy the buffy spinoff which is it's better than buffy controversial opinion it's it it kind of there's a moment (laughs) throwing down there's a moment where it veers off course toward the end but it's overall really it, it has aged really really well and okay. I, I, I taught a class on Buffy at Oberlin so I am <laughs> so I am are. I am a I am a Buffy head don't get me wrong but I think that <laughs> Buffy has aged a little um bit less gracefully mm-hmm. uh, but Angel I think is still really relevant because it's about adults and it it's about um like the banality of evil kind of and there's this great uh bit that I always think about where like David Boreanaz says <laughs> to Elizabeth Rome uh, uh, the lesbian from Law and Order that mm-hmm. one time. Is it because I'm a lesbian? She <laughs> left Angel to do that character. Um, and she's like, does it mean anything? You know, is, is any of this worth it? And he says, well, if nothing we do matters, then all that matters is what we do. Yeah. And I actually think that's really true. And, you know, it may be from a vampire TV show from the 90s, but it really does resonate with me because I do think that that's the thing. So it's like, what is that human capacity? Where does that come from? And like, it's a chicken and egg thing with religion, right? It's mm-hmm. like, did we create God or did God create us? And if we created God, why did we create God? And what does it mean to have him or her once we've created this divine thing? Yeah. So I think that accessing that is healthy. And I don't know if I'll ever fully believe in like a personified God, but in my study right now of like Torah and other stuff, I'm finding sort of through the parables and through like just talking about it with the rabbi and stuff and and thinking about the way I think about how I interact with other people and with the world it's just like I feel closer to whatever ineffable thing I'm trying to to find and I yeah. think that's really all it can do for you if you're not someone who I'm very jealous of people who can just really fully be like Jesus saves and I'm good 
Yeah, I'm kind of jealous. I'm not actually jealous of them. I definitely judge them because sure, yeah, no. I try, and I'm trying. It's to hard not be, to be superior if you don't believe it. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying not to be as judgmental over yeah. that because I believe that for I want to believe that for most people that find any sort of solace in religion, that it really is the whole purpose of it is to like figure out how to help others exactly, and like what can you do in this life that will like allow you to be of service to other people. And so if once, if you're approaching religion from that aspect exactly. and practicing it and like not actively trying, like trying to hurt other people or exclude them right. or thinking that they're like bad or anything, then I think that by all means, like whatever religion you want to do, do it. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Part of what I like about Judaism is that Judaism doesn't proselytize, mm -hmm. which I just, because I don't know, I, I'm very into not proselytizing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and of course, like, there is some of that in the sense that when I went and said, hi, I think I'm interested in being a Jew, they were like, let's chat. But it, what, there's not a, you know, there's not a like an active mission kind of mentality, which I just, you know, again, I'm not trying to judge anybody i just that sometimes feels colonial to me in a way that i'm like that's not a real like to you're there's a real white savior <laughs> yeah like it's like not it's not my vibe yeah um, no so nor mine yeah and that's that always was kind of a, an issue i had with like trying to think about christianity when i was young was i was just like mm, i don't like this like everyone else is going to hell yeah thing. and like judaism doesn't have hell which mm -hmm. i like. i appreciate that about yeah i mean it's like you get to be with god or you don't um and if, but if you don't, it's just like you just don't. Like if you read like, the Kabbalah, there's more stuff in there. But like that's not yeah, that's, that's getting not a little more mystical. And I and I, yeah, and I don't mean like I don't mean like the Kabbalah center. I mean like if you read like the Zohar and like the old texts, like there's stuff that's like okay, like Lilith is doing this, and it's like not you know chic. Although I think she's chic, but it's like not. <laughs> <laughs> is she? A, she's a demon. Yeah, Lilith is. So Lilith's not because well, there are like demons in Judaism. Yeah, way. I have Fancy Feast. Actually, my client is so her, she's. Um, <laughs> You're like she, Fancy Feast is she's, a demon. No, no, she's very. She's she's just like from a very traditional Jewish household, which is yeah. funny because now she's like a you know comedian stripper, um, and that's what her book's about, which will hopefully be coming out um, in like a year or two. <laughs> um, but uh, she's working on a treatment for like sort of the way that you know get out or ready or not or like sort of those socially conscious horror movies have tackled like racism and classism and stuff she wants to do one like about anti-semitism and use sort of like traditional jewish demons and stuff in it i think it's going to be really fun i love a um, jewish demon there's a yeah. really good author i've talked about her on the pod before sarah gan yeah wrote come mm -hmm. closer yes. which is all about a woman like, that gets possessed like by Dibbux, a jewish right demon. yeah it is truly i'm getting like Dibbux are scary as hell it's really fucking terrifying. Yeah, I am. Um, but no, so yeah, Lilith. Um, so like Lilith, I don't know if it's still published, but it was like the Jewish feminist magazine was called Lilith mm -hmm. because basically she's not in the Bible or the Torah. Um, 
although there's a there's a reference to her in Isaiah in the New Testament. Um, but uh, basically, she started as just sort of it was like this boogeyman character in like Jewish mythology that she was this demon in the night who killed babies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it evolved over time. There was this sort of medieval era tradition. Um, and there was this book that's apocryphal. It's like not part of the Torah, but it's called the Alphabet of Ben Sirach. Um, and it tells this story that was sort of a folk tale, possibly, it's not clear exactly where it came from, that Lilith was Adam's first wife and that she was created as his equal rather than like from his rib. Mm-hmm. And so she refused to be subservient to him. Love. And um, he wouldn't have that and God was pissed about it. So she like tricked God and stole his ineffable name because Jews believe that no one knows the name of God and like mm-hmm. you can't speak it. So she uh, tricked God into telling her his name and then spoke it and f- grew wings and flew out of the garden. <laughs> and, Love her. And then um, mated with Samael, like the demon and had millions of demon children. And uh, yeah, it was just like the queen of hell or whatever. Um, she love that for her truly, mm-hmm. but you know, it, it's she's been, like a Kardashian. Yeah, no, truly. <laughs> and like, so in, uh, in contemporary sort of like Jewish feminism and stuff, she's sometimes sort of reclaimed as this like figure where it's like, yes, obviously like, don't like marry Satan, but yeah, like, she got a bad rap, but I mean, People she got kicked a out lot of drumer- she, rumors. It was like, she wouldn't. And it literally says in the alphabet, um, that like she, the thing she really refused to do is she was like, I only want to have sex on top. Wow. It's like, and this is like a medieval text. She's she radical. Like, yeah. She was like, she was like, I don't like it this way. I want to be on top. And Adam was like, no. And she was like, I'm leaving. Thanks. Okay. Well, um, um, more power to Yeah. Her. No, I'm a, I'm a big fan. Um, and honestly, like <laughs> the, the mystical side of Judaism has always been really fascinating to me. Like the, I like Lilith. Like yeah. She's fun. She's a fun one. Yeah. Um, and in, in Renaissance tradition, she came to be identified with the serpent in the garden. So like, mm-hmm. if you go to the Sistine Chapel, the snake giving Eve the apple is a like a sort of half woman, half snake. Mm-hmm. And so the idea basically was that like, she was the one who went back and was like, I'm going to trick this bitch now. Because yeah. She took my house. God, girl on girl crime. <laughs> it or, goes all the way back. Or, I mean, or she some, was like, wake up, bitch. Get out of here. So, there's a lot of um, like poetry. Like you're literally walking around naked in a fucking garden. There's with this a lot asshole of that only likes missionary yes. there's a lot of great like poetry and other like treatments of it in sort of a feminist way that's like lilith was wa- like observing this and was just like no 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 that ain't right now i'm gonna give her i'm basically lilith when i watch the justin bieber docuseries Oof. because i'm like deeply worried for Haley baldwin i haven't seen it what 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 okay concerns well you? it's lame because you have to buy youtube premium or oh, whatever i'm not gonna do that and so i did that i, I love that for you <laughs> and i because i they released the first episode for free and mm-hmm. so then i watched that and then i was like i'm curious and then i was like whatever i'll just get like a free trial month and like I, i'm like in now so i right. might as well just go and it's all like, I mean, all these like music documentaries that are coming out are just pure propaganda. Oh, absolutely. And it's like, if you think anything otherwise, you're any fucking celebrity documentary, so any celebrity documentary that the celebrity participates in is going to have an agenda yeah, of some kind. Pure propaganda. But it's also like the, I need like my other Bieber heads to like, make yourselves known so we can get on a level of Haley Baldwin is like being taken for a real ride. And I'm not sure. Well, the whole Hillsong thing concerns me. The Hillsong element concerns me and they really haven't gotten into that. But on episode four, it's like called Justin and Haley. And then Haley is basically like just subservient to just like she is a wife, 
but yeah. she the archetype and what she's representing and what everyone it's like a trad wife thing yeah it's of. very yeah. trad wife and they're like gosh she's just like he's so lucky to have her and she's just the best possible person for this role she's so forgiving she's so well, isn't her father really evangelical like, yeah to begin with mm-hmm. yeah and i'm like I th- and she was a I, fan also. So she like was a, a fan, a but they try and downplay there. that. It's like they have him being like, yeah, when she met me, she was really over it and like bored. She right. didn't want to be well, there. But I'm like, no, you are, you married a fan. Right. I mean, there's, listen, there's this, there's one celebrity and I'm not going to mention his name because who knows what could happen in my life. But there's mm-hmm. one celebrity who like fully, I would like l- love to date. Mm-hmm. I would love to go on a date. I've watched interviews. I'm like, he seems so much fun or whatever. I think that can be fine but also there's an inherent power dynamic and you do have to think about that is like you know who this person is they don't know who you are i mean he was at least aware of her because she was like also a famous person sort of well she was like like a a famous person's daughter daughter, right she was like a model though right yeah yeah, but But, like not a supermodel or anything no but then became a model and stuff and was probably running everything running around in a shared circle so that's a little different but i just think that there's such a power element there like if i did end up dating my celebrity crush there would be this thing where it would just be like you do start to, you do, I, I imagine you do worry that they're going to leave you or whatever. And like, you are sort of the subordinate party to begin with in terms of how the relationship works. Yeah. And I think it's like, even when they did get together, he's like way more famous than she is. Oh, enormously. And clearly. She like took a, his name. So clearly she thought Bieber was more chic than Baldwin. Yeah. And Baldwin's a pretty famous name. So yeah. he's really famous. And I just am like, this feels really wrong. And I also feel like the way he is, like, I just get a really, like, abusive vibe from him. Not necessarily, not like I'm saying, like, physical abuse or anything, but I think that they're, and Selena Gomez has said in interviews, she's said some stuff that troubled me also. Yeah. I feel like I was in a very emotionally abusive relationship. And And that was, yeah. How that, could be and then it's i don't like any sort of narrative that's just like oh she's such a like sweetheart and like is so forgiving and like the best person i think that that a lot of times can be used well, and women are always expected to forgive anything yeah and i think that it's really promoting i just don't like what it's promoting and what it's standing for and maybe maybe she is just like she seems very happy to be in this situation and so if that's like what she yeah, wants I mean, maybe, her life maybe they're like totally to blissful but like they were blissful in the garden too so like maybe you do need to just lilith in and just like hand her an apple and <laughs> be like i'm Bitch. like full lilith i'm like <laughs> wake up wake up wake to up. Haley. No, there's been fun like a jewish lesbian sort of like reclamation of that story where it's like lilith like seduces even as like mm-hmm. wake up bitch like fanfic. this is not good yeah, yeah like lots of fanfic that i've that i've enjoyed uh, um, my, ra- my is what i'm trying to get <laughs> rabbi green to. if you're listening to this i am not promoting <laughs> um like demonic uh you're no longer a jew Sorry. yeah i'm not promoting demonic heresies but um you know but part of what's fun about um about judaism and and how long a history what a history it has what a history is that there are so many different interpretations of all these stories. I mean, I was talking about the book of Esther recently on Twitter because like, it's about Persia. Um, and it's like, you know, obviously everything that's going on with Iran is fucked. Like mm-hmm. everything we're doing with Iran is a gigantic nightmare. We, I mean like Trump, but yeah, we, we have to own that. Um, and, uh, you know, the book of Esther is all about how like the Persian emperor marries a woman he doesn't know is jewish and then like she has to save the jews and then the thing is it's an it's probably it's, it's a fictional story it was you know people believed it was real but we now know archaeologically that it's probably most mostly uh, sort of a, the first it may be one of the first um like historical novels mm-hmm. um but the 
effect of the story was true, which is that Jews were welcome in Persia in a way that Jews were not welcome in a lot of places. Yeah. And so you look at the history of Iran and you're just like, this was a place where, or that whole region, the whole Levant. And you're just like, um, this is a place where like these different groups of people could get along. And now look what we've done. Yeah. It's just really depressing. But there's another great, like female character in that. Who's like his first wife, um, Vashti like refuses to, dance potentially naked unclear like for his friends and so mm-hmm. he like gets rid of her and gets a new wife and so she's just in that like one paragraph but she's also someone where people are just like what's vashti up to That's, yeah i like, love a fun. vashti wellness like, check yeah what wellness check please on vashti because like i wouldn't want to strip for like the king's pals either like yeah i'm the queen that's not my my vibe um <sighs> i love throughout history any stories of women being like so disposable yeah in that way there's so many of them yeah. like which king was it that just like had all these wives? Henry VIII. Henry VIII like, that was yeah. just like beheading them left and right. Yeah. I, mean, I was always really fascinated yeah. with him. Beheaded up. fewer of them than we're led to believe, but like one is enough and more than one is a lot of beheading. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah Fool me once. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, he he literally okay. like created the Church of England so he could divorce the first one. Yeah. He was very much into like getting rid of a wife that mm-hmm. he was not feeling anymore. And then the one that he liked died young and it was like, fuck. Yeah. So now I got to get back on the, my favorite wife of Henry VIII is Anne of Cleves. Mm-hmm. Um, because she was the original catfish. Oh. Um, so basically, it wasn't like on purpose necessarily, but like, so you couldn't like FaceTime, obviously, because it was, you know, Tudor England. So yeah. Um, when he was like out looking for a wife, like she was, I forget where she was like a princess or duchess or whatever of, but, um, well, Cleves, but I don't know where Cleves is. <laughs> um, and uh, I think, I think she was Dutch. And um, this painter, Hans Holbein, was like obsessed with her. He was this Dutch painter and he Mm -hmm. was like super in love with her. So he painted this portrait of her where she was unbelievably stunning. And they sent it to Henry VIII. Like, what about this lady? Like, she's hot. And he was like, she is hot. Like, send her here. And so she got on a, you know, caravan or whatever the fuck Mm -hmm. and went there and arrived. And he was like, oh, she's ugly, actually. (laughs) Um, And... uh, I love so, paintings back then because, like, no one is traditionally hot as you or I would right, notice exactly. today. Like, it's such different. But he was like, "What standards. a fox!" And then she showed up, and he was like, mm, "I don't yeah. know about that." So they got to they like t- together briefly, and then he was just like, "You know, I got to be honest. Like, I just don't think you're hot." And they <laughs> got divorced, but they were like, she got like a castle, and like would lived happily ever after. Hey, that's a great. That's a success story as and far then, as I'm concerned. I forget which way it went, but like either she or the painter died in like a plague, and the other one like raised the other one's children or something like so clearly like she and the painter they hit it off they, she was like, like i think you they hit me it was like yeah. it's like now i have all this money like do you want to come was back her instagram boyfriend i think so yeah <laughs> but i love i love that tale because it's a fun uh, it's a fun one this is just a weird historical podcast today. i like I'm it sorry. i like a history um let's do some reader mail let okay my friend went to a trump rally Oof, Mara. not your friends anymore. No, I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> this is a dark truth that I'm sharing and would prefer to remain anonymous. I almost made a fake email account just to send this. A while back, you and Ed wondered how people end up at Trump rallies. And unfortunately, my friend is one of those people. Shortly after becoming friends in 2008, I found out that she's extremely pro-life and protests outside of Planned Parenthood. Oof. I looked past it because we had fun and she never really brought it up when we would hang out. Over the years, she started posting pictures on social media of her protests with a group of creepy-ass white men. I think they're Catholic priests from her church. 
Then came the pro-Trump content and attending of events like Women for Trump dinners. What prompted this email, however, is this text she just sent. So I just got back from the Trump rally last night, and it was the most physically grueling thing I've ever, ever experienced. We camped from 1.45 a.m. and didn't get inside until 6.15 p.m. Didn't go to the bathroom, didn't eat. It was bitter, bitter cold, 20-something degrees. 175,000 people requested tickets, and they were only letting the first 7,000 in. Deeply unsettling. I'm honestly so disturbed and unsure how to continue the friendship. Also, I've attached some pictures from her Instagram. There's so much more I wanted to share, but it's making me feel uneasy. Yeah, I'm very unsoothed. Ooh. Oh, she's a real Trumper. She's a real. She's wearing a sash like she's in a beauty contest. She's posing with a cutout <laughs> of Trump and like smooching it in a Instagram. In a bodycon dress. In like a little bodycon dress with sort of like a bolero neckline. Yeah. Um, very unclear. Nope. Oh. And that's a child, but and she her baby posed in front of oh, Planned Parenthood. Dark. Wow, dark. I hate this. Um, so I don't know. I don't know about to this consider one. This. Yeah, like, um, <laughs> I think you could do just like a slow fade out, and yeah. then I think you got to ghost this one. I mean, my I had a friend. And we had already kind of had a falling out at the point where I realized that then she was like MAGA. But during the 2016 election leading up to it, I followed her on Snapchat still. And she would post all these like pro Trump Snapchats. And I was just like, how and how how is this happening? So then I just started screenshotting them because I was like, this is a woman who once as for the real heads out there ate like a full avocado in front of me like love that like just bit into it like an apple i I, I think i've heard that one yeah so she's already like had some shit going on but like this took it then we had a falling out but then i still followed her because obviously she was like good content but then the trump (laughs) stuff i was like (laughs) that's too much that's like a full 51 50 yeah and then she started like this these pictures like that's that's like that's like fully yeah you're and i don't like perpetuating i think it's divisive to be like if you like Donald Trump, like well, you're I'm not mentally even, I'm ill. I'm not saying mentally ill, literally like 5150. I was like, I joking, but like, it, you know, I mean, speaking as someone who but takes I several psychiatric like, medications, yeah. I think it's, I think a lot of the time people who are seeking something because of some kind of like yearning thing there find a politician to rally behind. I mean, he, he, he evokes this like fervor that yeah. I've never really in my lifetime seen for a politician, which Ardent is really scary. fandom. Yeah. On a level that's like, what do you even like about this person? Really? Like, what is it that you really love that he's doing? Well, what's, what sucks about it is like, I mean, Adam Serwer, who's like one of my favorite um, politics writers, he's a black Jew, which is a fun, uh, like, person to have a pining on the world because that's a very specific perspective that I always find very mm-hmm. illuminating. Um, but also he's just like a genius who's just really good at writing about politics. And he wrote this essay called the cruelty is the point. Um, that was just about how like what they like is that he hates the people they hate. And it's just that simple. Like he, they like that he triggers the libs. They like that he hates Brown people. They just, they like this mm-hmm. and you can't appeal to the decency of someone who wants to hurt other people. And it, that, that is their goal more than helping themselves. It's like, I'd rather keep this person I don't like down. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously not all Trump supporters feel that way. I, I mean, there's no rationale for Trump support that I could respect, but 
I do think that a significant amount of his base is like that. He's yeah. just sort of like angry and sort of striking out at like what they perceive as the establishment in whatever way they can. And they like that he's doing crimes. Mm-hmm. They like that because they're like, fuck. Or like yeah. that he's keeping like a status quo. Right. And like, I think. Well, it's funny because he's keeping a status quo and they see him as disrupting it. Yeah. And I'm like, no, he's just keeping things the same for you because you feel like you're worried that like an immigrant's going to like take, take your, your job, job or, or like you're worried that like the immigrants are taking like tax money that should go to like actual citizens well, it's like or the something. Problem we've and always, it's like, yeah, if you really like the are the like voting against your own interests is like so insane. I can't wrap my head around it. I can't either. But the, on the other hand, like, you know, I'm very lucky. Like I'm from, a liberal family like Mm -hmm. and and going back generations like my grandfather was like the pro bono lawyer for some of the hollywood blacklist people you know my grandmother had an abortion pre-row so she's very much like she impressed upon me like that yeah i I, that's something i cannot negotiate on like i Mm -hmm. like i have a friend who i have one republican friend (laughs) Mm -hmm. like there are certainly people who are conservative who i am friendly with on a professional level or whatever because you know we have to get our jobs done. We have to get our work done. And, and like, I can understand certain positions. I can't talk to a Trump person. Like I just can't do it. And my one Republican friend, like it's, I think for her, a lot of it is about like being anti-choice and I, we just can't talk about it. Yeah. Like for me, it's, I, I just, it's so important. And um, yeah, I don't want to get into like abortion, but uh, you know, I, I, here's the thing that is if, if your moral conviction is that if you believe that abortion is murder, Mm-hmm. I understand why that would feel really morally urgent. Yeah. Um, I just don't agree. And I think that the, that it's really damaging to women to, you know, I don't, you agree with me, obviously. So yeah, you don't need to, obviously. But like, I, I just don't, I don't understand how you could be friends with this person. Like if you can't respect somebody and you clearly don't respect her because you emailed us these <laughs> yeah, photographs, you know like, what I mean? Like I just, Maybe I'm, maybe I am thinking of like the word friend in like a more, like if she's an acquaintance who mm-hmm. you sort of know, you know, do you? It's been Instagram tourism to always have like some wild card that you're just like, oh my God, like some wackadoo from high school at her who, Trump like, rallies right. again. Like that's kind of, it's interesting. Comedy like, how in the a other certain, half is living kind of stuff. Yeah. Like I love from that perspective, I'm like, the only thing that I do really love about a Trump supporter is like how crazy they are and how willing they are to like show it on social media. Yeah. That is like pure entertainment to me. But then yeah. there's also a flip side of the coin of like, no, that's actually terrifying. Yeah. It scares me too much to enjoy it, it honestly. Cause it like has, it has like real fascist energy to me that I don't. Love. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, it's just one of those things where I, I, what I would do here, quite honestly, is like, I actually asked that one Republican friend I mentioned, I was like, so Trump, what do you think? And she was like, not into Trump. I was like, okay, we can continue to be, because that really was like a third rail for me. Like, I could yeah. not do that. Um, I think that it comes down to who you're, like, what kind of energy to get new AG again you're mm-hmm. willing to have in your space. Like, I can't have this in my life. Yeah. No, I don't think I could have it from just like a totally removed. Right, but like, like if, if she's when I was like you, that's Snapchat screen grabbing. Yeah. But then she, my ex friend, turned on me and was like, started screenshotting all my Snapchats. Yeah. But I was like, okay, yeah, like by all means, like I'm not the embarrassing right. one. Right. And then she eventually blocked me. Yeah. So I, I, just, I, I think I 
I've like admire from afar. Like, yeah, I, I can't do. It. And like as an agent, I feel really strongly about only supporting. Like there's been all this controversy this week about John Bolton's book and the testimony and whether mm-hmm. he was going to testify. And of course he's not and all of that stuff. And like, I, I would never be able to feel comfortable representing that book. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I can't do that. Like I only represent things that I feel like I can put, I mean, I can put them on connorgoldsmith.com and feel like I'm not promoting something evil. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I, you know, I, and that extends to friendships too. Like at a certain point you're enabling someone's behavior. Mm-hmm. And I think that there, we all have our own, you know, flashpoints for when you're like, no. And like, for me, I'm sorry. Like she's posing in a body dress, like pretending she's kissing Trump. I'm, you can't be friends with this person. In, no. my, in my opinion. Like, I think the you know, friendship is run its think, course. Think, when you're yeah. emailing a podcast <laughs> being like, be like, look at this psycho. Bitch, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's over. What's next? Hi, Lara. I was listening to the last pod with Nori Reed, where you talked about how you get nervous talking about politics. As a local news reporter, I cover politics sometimes and have interacted with a lot of activists, policy workers, politicians, etc. Just want to say, for whatever it's worth, that in my experience, the people who would talk down to you about politics are the ones who are the least effective at making change happen and are instead more concerned with getting attention in real life and on social media. Obviously, I'm speaking in generalities, but I'd say the people most successful in building a movement are the ones who are willing to meet people where they're at and then help expand their worldview through more conversation. But also, I genuinely don't think you sounded dumb about politics at all. A lot of the points you made about wealth and socialism are the same points being made by people who are, quote, smarter about politics. They just use more political jargon when they make those points so that they can seem smarter than the average person. Anyways, I lolled a lot during the episode with Nori, love and light to you. It was a good episode. I I love Nori. I want her to come back. Um, You know, what, what you were, what she said there about like clout chasers is interesting and I think true. And one of the things that's been most, I think, distressing about like the resistance, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. is like the number of people who have just built a brand on doing nothing, but like quote tweeting news articles and going like this or like, you know, I mean, Carrie always, um, was doing send yeah, up is, has always yeah. like me. I met Lara through Carrie O'Donnell, who I have known for many years, and um, he does really funny bits about the priest, like this, mm-hmm. this, because it's just so stupid. It's like former like Bush official. I'm like, what are you contributing right now? I think there's a lot of virtue signaling online. Yeah, and, that- and I hesitate. To, the thing is, the problem is like so the right wing has like used that phrase to now mean like any like saying racism is bad as virtue signaling but no and i don't real but it is a real practice like it is a real thing people do yeah and i think it gets you a lot of positive feedback Mm -hmm. within your own community absolutely and makes you feel good when you're taking a stand for something but if you really look into it like what like what are you doing besides just adding like another voice into the chasm yeah like what are the stakes here for you and are you just making money like what is this just like a grift for you or like are if you really do believe in this like what are you what are you doing yeah and i like, are feel you like people that spend a lot of their time like, what are you doing yeah people that spend a lot of their time online like weighing in right is like that's not you that's not, not helpful you know what i mean no, like you're not, not to, like moving the ball forward right. we get it like congratulations like you're a human being with empathy no but and, like and what the letter writer said is really true like i 
so I was a Hillary Clinton person like my whole life because mm-hmm. she was my senator. I was like 12. She was like so smart and this and that. And I really kind of like was a little culty mm-hmm. with my Hillary Clinton. So, cause there were things about her I didn't like. She was always more, um, war hawkish than I approved of or like things like that. But I could forgive it because XYZ thing or whatever. And I yeah. think I was sort of in a cult of personality about it. And, since 2016 because i was sort of like an incrementalist liberal type who believed that was like the way to make change Mm -hmm. um i have now changed my mind (laughs) but it was it was a real it was like a fall from a great height i said to someone it was like sort of like watching like my grandmother get beaten up on television like just this very because i supported her in 08 i supported her well it was really awful to watch all those debates that yeah, they had like, like i was smart rep- she's correct about yeah. so many like he's an and he's an and he's idiot. being a monster he's and evil. i was like triggered like yeah. going back to like past partnerships i've had with people mm-hmm. where i've been treated that exact way by like a man yeah and like talked down to or talked over or being told i'm like stupid or all this stuff and i was just like oh my god like i actually like can't handle this yeah but like since so that was a real rude awakening for me and like i also like i I come from a comfortable class background so Mm. you know a lot of this has always been theoretical for me like you had that's the the luxury of politics when you are upper middle class or upper class Mm -hmm. is like it doesn't affect you that much yeah and it's easier to be like to make it a thought experiment yeah oh i hate politics like politics is everything you can't or being like, like or taking a standard and like even engaging in like a true political like taking a stance on social media or whatever is like sure you can go out and say you're like pro this or pro that because at the end of the day whatever happens even if people don't vote for that it's not going to affect exactly and your bottom line and your like lifestyle Yeah, one of the things that i've found so and so it's easy i think for a lot of people to really like posture as absolutely being either you know, socialists or like justice, like freedom fighters right. are in a radical way. But when it comes down to it, they're not like the losers at hand. Right. And so that's where I also have a problem where I'm like, yeah, great that your voice is in the conversation, but also like you're not the one that matters the most in exactly. this conversation. I mean, like I, I, yeah, I mean, part of one thing that's made me feel really sort of like powerless and dumb since the election is just like, nothing apart from like some property taxes going up or whatever nothing that has happened since the election has directly affected me in new york city mm-hmm. it just hasn't um and it's not like i can call my reps because like all my reps are anti-trump yeah like i mean schumer i call schumer because schumer pisses me off all the time but like yeah. I, I like jill brand i think she's pretty good um for a senator uh you know the senate's its own problem but like i was living at the time, like when the Muslim ban and everything went into effect, like I was living in Nydia Velasquez's district and like, she was the first person at the airport, like protesting on television. So Mm -hmm. I was like, so you can't even call your reps. And I'm just like, does when I say I'm afraid or like, whatever, is that performative? Like, cause I know it's probably not going to touch me. Yeah. Um, Or it will touch you last. Yeah. But what I would say, it will take a lot of people down before it actually gets to you. They came for so-and-so like I'm I'm far in on the list of so-and-sos. they would. And I mean, I'll say like my like tax situation improved under Trump. Sure. Yeah. And like, there's way more like write-offs and all that. And that's like, yeah, always voted Democrat against their own interests because they believe it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And so, but to have just like full disclosure it has if it's made 
money, I mean, not it's my money is like like, very small margins, but if it's improved my like financial, like I'm benefiting financially out of this current administration. Right. And I can't, I don't think there's a lot of people who aren't, but there are a lot of people who, if I am, they really, really are. So I don't know. I have to like, that's something else to like examine and really think about because I mean, it's a devil's bargain. Obviously, I'm not going to vote for Trump, and I never have, and I've never voted That's why so many people do. That's why, like, But I then, it's like, I benefited off of this, and I appreciate it, but at what cost has that come? Right, and and it's not not a cost I can bear, personally, morally. Mm -hmm. But, like, uh, you know, but I guess what I was going to say was, like, I was a total hillbot, like, until the election, and I I thought I was convinced she was going to win, I, you know... And I was like, give her a chance. Like, she'll be a good president. Like, I don't agree with everything she does, but like, blah, blah, blah. She really pissed me off with that comment about the Reagans and AIDS. Like, she she was like, not, you know, but I was so in. Like, politics has become such a stan culture thing that mm-hmm. I was just like in and I couldn't, like, I feel almost deprogrammed now. Like, well, it's also later. like, there's becoming, I think, a shift into celebrity culture that's Politics what i mean is like, like yeah, fully yeah. becoming like well, celeb trump culture. accelerated it so dramatically and i think now a lot of celebrities are realizing like that's where the true if george and amal is. aren't doing something political soon i'll be very surprised i mean i think taylor swift is going to make a move into politics i think well, the Chris kardashians Pratt is gonna be president is gonna yeah be a terrifying like they president. already <laughs> have gotten their way yeah. like i think now the celebrity shift is like after you've lived out your like hollywood like good looks good body years yeah. you go into politics no, i actually think like the logical conclusion of the marvel cinematic universe is like chris evans is the democratic nominee and chris <laughs> pratt is the republican nominee in an election that we then have to vote on like literally who's the best chris like vote for president like i do uh, think that's where we're going oh my god yeah i um, can really see that I'll, yeah. that does not sound too far it, away no it sounds like that sounds like 2030 <laughs> and i hate something. it i yeah. won't be voting that year because i am not I mean, a marvel I would, fan i would I'd do a lot for Chris Evans, but um, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> or why. his brother Scott. If you're listening, Scott, you're very <laughs> cute. Um, I think he has a boyfriend. But anyway, uh, the um, what I was saying was the people who have helped me to be more politically aware and to like because I have shot really far to the left mm-hmm. over the last four years because yeah. I realized the approach I believed in this sort of incremental third way approach uh, does not work. No. And I it like was suddenly. It was revealed tonight. Like, I was just like, like, she will be revealed tonight. Like, mm-hmm. liberalism. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I was just like, okay. And I'm not like, I don't know that I'm like a full-on socialist yet, but I'm pretty close. And it's because people who would have conversations with me, like, and I was so turned off by, like, the Sanders stand culture mentality thing that mm-hmm. I was very, like, but now I, I, like, might vote for him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I mean, I, I, I've been more into Warren this cycle mm-hmm. but i um i don't know her campaign is like iffy to me um i think there have been a lot of missteps she's made a bunch of unforced also, errors also like, yeah know. like but so is i mean so growing, is everybody growing pains absolutely i mean and i think she faces a lot more scrutiny as a woman than some of the other candidates yeah do. and it's cool that because neither her nor bernie take like big donations no do they yeah, yeah. as far as i understand so it's just gonna be I mean, it's they just, will in the general. Like, yeah. and he says he won in the general. I'm like, we'll see if he gets the nomination because I just a general election is real 
serious money wise and like this country is broken in how elections work yeah but i really don't i really think optically people at the top yeah when you're talking about when you're talking about like huge huge money that you could be losing and you're at a level of wealth where that means a lot to you Mm -hmm. and that you are a true coming from a place of like i want my money not me like talking about like a couple grand here or there. Well, but that's such an American problem where like everyone who's not a millionaire thinks they're a future millionaire. So yeah. it's like, you don't want to, it's like, we can't tax the billionaires because what if I become a billionaire? It's like, you're more likely to be yeah, struck by like, lightning five you, times. We can't tax. Like you may think like, I don't want like this money. Like it's less money for me to right. like just live, yeah. but it's really, it's but not that need, much like, money. People not to starve to death or whatever. Yeah. You know and we I mean? like, we need to like, help people suffering from homelessness to like yeah get back to, on their we need feet to like or pay like people's health care and we need to have roads like yeah. there's like you know infrastructure but like taxes are just a necessary evil that i hate but i'm also not gonna be like if it's benefiting more people to be like living healthy lives and like mm-hmm. help people then i'm like fine like yeah take, i like, think i actually get more mad like in term like logically about libertarians because i'm like at least like real hardcore conservatives have like this sort of courage of their convictions where it's like they really believe something like abortion is evil or whatever and i'm like okay like i don't agree with you but i can understand that you're coming from like a really a Mm -hmm. place of conviction that is not entirely selfish it's just that i don't agree with you about like what's good for the world Mm -hmm. like but that idea of like income tax is theft like all this money should just be mine i don't believe in like paying for firefighters i'm like this is insane that's insane to me like you have to belong to a community who's gonna put your fucking house right like guess what like put out your own fire then yeah which but there's people who are like i will and i'm like okay but like yeah then go live in a commune like that's a crazy way to to want the people to live yeah it's just i'm much more sympathetic to like anarchist commune people than that because i'm like that like at least you're taking they're taking care of each other yeah you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um stand for something yeah stand for something or you stand for yeah but i really think when you get into huge huge money being lost many way more people are gonna vote for their financial and fiscal interests, then they're going to vote for like what's well, truly right. My or, biggest like, hesitation about Sanders. And I like, I hate saying this because it feels so cynical and so wrong to like even think it, but I really worry as someone like of Jewish descent, um, from New York. Mm-hmm. I just, I think this country is so anti-Semitic in a lot of ways that are subtle, like that people don't know. Yeah. Um, and I think, because like the world is, but I think that in particular, the idea of like New York Jews who want to take your money is like a really present cultural meme. Yeah. And he has this Brooklyn accent and all of his plans are about let's redistribute wealth. And I worry, like I'm, I really love what he's saying. This cycle, he has really won me over. Yeah. I would be thrilled to vote for him. In, You're worried that because but he's I'm a Jew worried that, that it's like yeah, not but like happen. and you know people said that about Obama being black. People say it about women candidates and like we can't live in fear yeah. of that, but it does scare me specifically because I think that like he taps into a very specific kind of stereotypical fear of these like New York Jews who want to take your money. Yeah. I Which I I it's like just a racist stereotype, but it's it is a persistent I mean like most people in this country have never met a Jew. Really? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, if you th- really think about it, like, if you live in LA or New York or Chicago, it's yeah. not really something you think about. Mm-hmm. But there are vast stretches of this country where there's like one Jewish person in your town, if that. Yeah. I mean, you're from Oklahoma. 
how many Jewish people did you know in Oklahoma City? There was like one Jewish person. Right. We had a lot of um, Lebanese, which is totally different, mm-hmm. but still cousins. I like to think, yeah, cousin, like <laughs> ancient cousins. That's why, like everyone's. I, I sometimes cause a fuss about like um, white Gentile actors playing Jewish in like TV shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. The role is really like about like ethnic Judaism. I find it weird. Yeah. Um, and someone asked like, well, what about Tony Shalhoub? And I was like, Tony Shalhoub is Lebanese. He can play any Jew he wants. Like, yeah. He's the, Jews it. play Arabs all the time. First of all, and yeah. like, like Oded Fair built a career on that because he was too dark to play Jewish because Hollywood's horrifying. Yeah. I'm not saying they officially said that. I'm saying that's my read on it. Um, but like, but no. yeah, I mean, anti-Semitism and any sort of racism is a disease. It's a yeah. mental illness, truly, at the end well, of the day. Well, it's a cultural illness. Like, yeah. it's not, I, I don't think it's something you can blame on, like, someone's psychology. I think it's like, a, it's a meme, you know? Yeah, but it's also, it's just like, listen to your fucking self right now. Right, like, like what, do you really hear what you're saying? For you to come right. out and be like, the Jews are the biggest problem. Right, like, you're blame like, the Jews. It's, yeah, like, it's like, where is any of your accountability for like anything in your fucking well, life? Well, that's what's appealing. I know, but that's why it's like you're mentally ill if you really think that a full race of people is like why you are a loser. Right. Well, and the, the, the reason I think, I mean, there's actually like, so the first reference to Jewish people in writing is from ancient babylon and it's like the the people of israel have been destroyed hooray like mm-hmm. it's like literally the first ref- it was not correct it turned out not to be accurate but like let's kill them all is the first reference i think that the reason it's been so persistent and so um constant even as like in america jews have become considered white over the last like hundred years mm-hmm. in most places in america depending on now obviously there are jews who are people of color and you know some mizrahi and sephardic jews would be coded as middle eastern or whatever like but i'm saying if you're an ashkenazi jew who's who's like ostensibly white european um even though like if you if you go to the ancestry.com and you do the dna like ashkenazi jews are middle eastern also yeah you know but that's the thing is like in europe it was this the perception was it's like these are sort of asian people who are coming in and manipulating and it's this very unusual and almost it actually is interesting because it's a little bit similar to the way anti-Asian racism functions now. Yeah. Um, it's sort of like this Orientalist thought where it's it's this model minority thing mm-hmm. where it's like, I'm, you know... I think you're seeing that a lot too with like coronavirus and like... Absolutely. Being like, oh my God, like... It's an invasion China or from like the there's east. so many right. of them and they're going to come in and like but it's also take just, our resources yeah, or make us sick and that's like... Yes. There's, I think, with any sort of or it's repetitive in culture where there's this underlying fear of like resource guarding, whether it's like your health or your money or anything. And it's like there, it can't just be chalked up to like one per it's like, it has just as much to do with like your mentality of what's going on as this happening and being related to this community but somehow it's just this very weird and so it becomes a tornado of two different things and it's but it's this very weird unique form of racism because it's not necessarily like color-based so calling it racism sometimes in the modern context sometimes feels in the american context Mm -hmm. sometimes feels like like i would never call myself a person of color because i'm Jew. you know what i mean like that'd be insane um (laughs) but like i certainly have like all the white privilege one could have Mm -hmm. um but there is this, it's this very specific thing because it's like this group that people hate, but they also believe is more powerful than them. Yeah. So it's this, it's cause like the conspiracy theory is specifically, they are 
like smarter and better than you and they want to destroy your way of life. Like it's that, you know. Mm-hmm. And one thing that there was a great article about Trump then about his attitude toward Jews that I thought was interesting. It was like Trump is a very specific kind of anti-Semite in that he believes all of the stereotypes about Jews, but he thinks of them as good things. So it's like, he's like, yeah, they're great with money and they look out for their own and this, and like, you know, they're yeah. all about so the bottom line and like, thing. but he thinks those are like values. To but have. then his daughter is now Jewish. But that's the thing is he like, he's like a philo Semite is what they sometimes call it, where it's like, you have this idea of Judaism, but it is born from like anti-Semitic stereotypes mm-hmm. and like, you know, I mean, he's always talking about, he's like, but you guys are, you know, he, like he refers to Netanyahu as like our prime minister, like to talking to American Jews. He's like, you're prime minister. I'm like, I'm not Israeli, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's this, um, which is, that's like itself an anti-Semitic trope, like the idea of like dual loyalty to like the Jewish people over your home country. Mm-hmm. And so, but he thinks that's a good thing because he's all about like loyalty and like, you know, only looking out for your own family and that kind of stuff. So yeah. it's a very, it's a very sick, specific kind of, of racism coming from him and i i just i'm the reason i say it's interesting like that when i said the word asian is just like my sister's fiance is chinese um and i feel like there's a lot of similar like where it's sort of like about china becoming this great superpower and sort of this idea that like china only like they only care about themselves and they're you know they're gonna come and they're smarter than us and they're they're better than us and they can do all this math and it's all these stereotypes Mm -hmm. about people but it's a similar kind of like fear of i guess being conquered in some way i don't know it's really yeah i think just i mean it's all I think sick, it's a real fear of twisted racism obviously taking, but it's interesting to see how what patterns like emerge yeah in i think it's fear of people like xenophobia taking functions. your resources or yeah your freedom what's why we have so much trouble with social safety nets in this country is because but of I'm racism like, who like white people out there yeah. most of all who the fuck do you is taking your freedom no like one. you're literally literally no one. free and privileged life of right. anyone in the United States. And like almost every... And maybe also the world. Yeah, and like also, like we did so, the colonialism. Like, yeah. So like, like <laughs> everything's kind of... Like a lo- most things that are going on are kind so of like, our fault. Trust so. me, your freedom's gonna be just, just fine. Just fine. Yeah, just it's fine. really like now other people's rights and freedom that it's right. your duty to kind of uphold well, that's or how at I least... Feel. Yeah, at like least, Stephen like, Miller is the most horrifying person. Like Jared Navanka, like they're like a Shonda to me, but it's like this very specific, um, like they just are looking out for money and there's uh, yeah they're looking out for number they don't one. care about anything Stephen miller though is like a jewish man who is really invested in the idea of being white and has then like and so like he's de- de- dedicated himself to racism basically mm-hmm. and to like white supremacy and it's just like a dude the white supremacists you're hanging out with do not think you're white so you're in for a rude awakening at some point b that's insane like that is an evil like it's it's a true betrayal of your own people. Yeah. And of the kind of philosophy that I was talking about that drew me to it and why I'm doing this process to like really affirm myself as a Jew as an adult, because I feel really strongly about like community and, and Tikkun Olam and all of that stuff. And his, he's like the opposite of that. It's like, so he makes my skin crawl. It's like so upsetting to mm-hmm. see that. Um, and it's really, it, it, the worst thing about it is just like, you know, in the civil rights movement and all of that other, like a lot of the white allies in the civil rights movement were Jewish. There was like, I mean, the black community and the Jewish community have not always got along perfectly well, obviously, but like there was a solidarity movement that occurred that got a lot of shit done. Yeah. And it really sucks to see 
people with Jewish heritage who are aligning themselves with white supremacy. It just really, it just hurts. It's like the Holocaust, like they're alive. People are alive. Yeah. It just, it blows my mind. I can't understand it. Yeah. It's insane to me as well. And it's like, Uh, if you like, it's the ultimate and I've got mine and now I don't care. Yeah. Which I just think is, I just don't see any sort of point in voting for someone that's trying to take rights away from anyone else. No, And so that to me is like, that's not Christian values, even though I don't identify as a Christian, but like, it's not that any, it's not, there's no value. There's no, there's no value, value system in, there. in which they're like, a, yeah. unless you're like and an so objectivist. I don't understand like why it's really difficult for me to wrap my head around like why you would right. truly uphold this. And so, yeah, it just, but you know, I mean like, out. so like long story short, I'm getting more and more excited about Sanders. Um, I, cause I think he, I think he has that there is a passionate base behind him that is excited mm-hmm. and Democrats have an enthusiasm problem and always have. So yeah, that is, I'll say, yeah. So I'm really coming around to the idea of him, but it is that, that fear does. And I've said it before and people were upset that I said it. And I was like, I'm not saying I think you shouldn't vote for him <laughs> because I'm not You're saying, saying a woman yeah, can like, never be president. right. Exactly. Like, exactly. Because well, that, that whole thing annoyed me because he absolutely did say that clearly. I'm, I'm not saying he said he, it that way. Yeah, but it, he probably said like, it's going to be harder for a woman. To yeah. Like, I mean, which it's is, not, which is true, which is but true. But I, like, I really think that was rat fucking from like Liz Smith and the Buddha. Yeah, why are you like, I think Buddha judge leaked that. I really do. Really? Cause I think, cause Warren seems so unprepared to deal with it in the press that I like, I feel like, it was something that either Biden or Buttigieg's campaign did. Mm-hmm. And Buttigieg has, has Buttigieg's comms director is Liz Smith, who is like a real smooth operator. Like that would not surprise me if she just like heard that from a staffer. Liz heard Smith, it from Warren. who is like a famous PR. No, it's oh. Liz with an S. She's like, um, she used to date Elliot Spitzer. She's like okay. a, she's like a, like a big, I don't know. I don't know her personally. I'm just saying she's a very experienced sort of political yeah. game master. Um, and I, uh, I don't know anything about Pete Buttigieg except the memes about him. He, yeah. And I love, are, I love the LGBTQ let's get Buttigieg to quit mm-hmm. science. Um, <laughs> I yeah. love he's the another one, one who I distresses me because he's part of a group that I belong to and I don't like what he's doing. So it's, <laughs> it's a distressing on that level. I'm just like, don't love this. <sighs> well, the bottom line is you should just register to vote. Yes, please register to vote. As long as you're just registered to vote and you're voting, it really doesn't... Register as a Democrat because in some states, including New York, and you have to do this now if you haven't already, uh, like New York has a closed primary. So you have to be registered as a Democrat to vote in the primary in New York. Mm-hmm. So please do that because we need to not pick joe biden because then we'll lose we just yeah we i mean lose. you gotta do whatever you feel is the right thing to do <laughs> I'm, I'm happy not, to vote for warren or sanders whichever one like survives the yeah i'm not primaries, here to like but like really tell you what to, to vote do and, and don't vote for joe biden that's yeah. sort of where i'm at i mean um, i'll co-sign that yeah. we're gonna go on and we're gonna do a bonus episode okay. for all the real heads you can get that at patreon.com slash babe podcast and Connor, thanks so much for being here thank you so much for having me i've wanted to do this a long time i hope that i was not um like too dorky and not lawler no you're a chatty kathy which i am i'm very i just feel like your listeners are gonna be like this person is really annoying but i hope not (laughs) um and uh tell everyone where they can find you absolutely so um you can read more about my work and my clients at connorgoldsmith.com um which is c-o-n-n-o-r like sinead Mm o'connor and then goldsmith like a jeweler um I uh, am on Twitter and Instagram at Dream of Organon. I realize that's like not the best SEO, but like the name Connor Goldsmith was taken. I didn't think I was going to use it professionally. <laughs> it's like it's a brand. It just stuck. It's the first line from Cloud Busting by Kate Bush. Okay, I um, love. 
you would love actually you should read about Wilhelm Reich who mm-hmm. was like Organon was his laboratory and he believed in this um this new agey thing called orgone energy that was all about I'm in. Like, I'll tell you it was like say. about orgasms and like this the like sex magic energy sex magic and like but it was like science and he was like trying to melt clouds into like orgasm energy I don't it's amazing orgasm um, energy is real yeah I you should read up because I think you would enjoy him um but so, so maybe we'll get into that on the maybe we'll get into that on the bonus but it's yeah it's dream of and then o-r-g-o-n-o-n um i tweet a lot because i work from home so <laughs> please feel free lots to, of content uh, to jump in and with. chat yeah um okay we're gonna move on and until next time love and light bye babe planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.